0: What's up, fellow elk fanatics? If you want to be a better elk hunter, you want to kill more elk, you need a system. And after years of interviewing the best elk hunters in the world, I've put together a four-step system, a framework, if you will, to help you get to the next level. Every single one of the best elk hunters have their system. It just took them 20 years to develop that. And this course is a blueprint for you to develop your system and make you a better hunter. Feedback has been pouring in and everyone says we could charge double for this course, but right now it's only thirty bucks and you get the audio only version. So it's like listening to a podcast. This course skips all the fluff that you got from other courses or you already know and gets right to what you need to know and help you develop your system. And I think that's what people really love about it. No fluff. In three and a half hours, you will have a system that took me 20 years to develop. So if that's not worth $30, I don't know what is. Check the link in the show notes if you want to check out the Elkhunt 201 course. It's pretty powerful, pretty amazing, and I hope you guys enjoy it. All Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to do some some Wapiti Wednesday. We're going to talk elk hunting. Uh, you're my favorite elk hunting guest, by the way. Uh, yeah. Right. How you doing, man? Good. <laughs>
1: Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good, Cody. Ready for hey, elk I mean, season, right? Thank you right? very much for having me. Uh, you know, having me back, I appreciate it.
0: Oh, thanks for being on. I know. Uh, I know it can be time consuming. It's like you got better things to do than than talk to me. But uh, no, we, no, we no, really no. appreciate it.
1: <laughs> no, it's good.
0: <laughs> so big year. It's your grandson's going to be first hunt, right? Yes, sir. No pressure, right? Like I feel like you got some pressure on you as, a, as an elk caller. Now you really got to step up to the plate
1: actually i think the pressure's on him (laughs) he knows i'm going to call Elk in. there's no doubt about it i mean i'm not saying the first time out but there's no question in my mind whatsoever that i will not put you know that i'll put elk in front of them they'll be there so i you know but at the same time you know you talk about it with them and you talk about not just the calling but setups and and how to keep that calm demeanor and when to draw and where to set up, and you know, those are the things that we're actually going over right now. It's not anything about the elk themselves. It, it, it's putting yourself in the right spot in the right position, because to me, that's the number one reason people fail at putting elk on the ground. It's their setup. Totally, 100 percent agree. It's horrible. Most of the time, they just don't know how to set up and it cost them a shot. So what's Walk
0: me through. Like, what do you, what, what are you telling the grandson right now? Are you guys going through, I'm sure you're shooting quite a bit or he's shooting quite a bit. Like what's, how mm-hmm. do you convey to a young man who's going to be his first kind of at bat, if you will, like, what are you trying to like get through his head specifically? Like, when are you trying to tell him when exactly to draw or going over scenarios with him or like, what's, what's the, uh, what's the coaching talk look like these days?
1: Well, you know, I think it's like anything in this world, you, 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 you kind of look at the the foundation You have to start like if you're going to build a house, you have to start at the foundation. You don't start at the drywall or the studs or the roof. You you start right at the bottom for the roots, so everything can grow accordingly. So you know we've tried to to discuss things with him in that manner and, and not to overwhelm him. And and to me, you know, the number one thing is. It isn't the calling because he already has so much confidence in him in myself and his dad that he's not worried about that part of it. And and I know it sounds kind of braggy, but that's not what it is. He sees what we do. And he's been on three elk kills. He's been there three times standing next to his dad's side within two feet where his dad has killed three six points. So he's seen it. He's seen his dad draw he's seen the elk come in he saw the outcome so you know he's been there but he's never had a bow in his hand but you know what i tried to make sure that he can shoot number one make sure he can shoot and he's confidence to 40 yards. Yeah. And and so drilling that in and understanding what 20 is. And if you get a bull coming in at 25, you have to split the 20 and 30 yard pin. Mm -hmm. You split the 30 and 40 at a 35. If it's 37, you don't worry about it. You still split. You stay right in that realm. You know, trying to just, but be not drilling, but be comfortable with it. So that when he shoots, he's got total confidence and there's not this big, uh, you know, guessing thing going on in his mind. Where do I do? Because we never talked about that. Yeah. So you know, and we don't want him to shoot over forty anyway. And Paul and I's average for for killing bulls is twenty three yards. Wow. So I really believe that he's going to be shooting at something under thirty anyway. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, things. You know, there's nothing concrete out there, Cody. Like, yeah, you know
0: for it sure, is. for sure, for sure. But no,
1: preparing his mind is is the big thing for you know, as far as the distance goes. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's been there like that's, that's a big piece of it. So he's seen I, I what did. happens. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be a surprise. Like he's been down that road before. So now nah, it'd be good. One of the things I want to cover with you, I was asking some of the listeners on what to cover, what we want to talk about. And uh, a lot of it, I'm still going to get to cause there's a broad spectrum of questions, but I think a great place to start out a uh, couple people had asked me separately that, you know, what's Paul's secret to finding elk? What's his system to finding elk? Uh, you know, you come into a basin, how does he go about it? Does he hike the ridges? Does he locate? Uh, does he hike up the middle? Like where's, you know, obviously you have a lot of places where I think, you know, the elk, you kind of know the area, but let's, let's hypothetically put you in a new unit you've never been to, you know, what's Paul's system for finding elk?
1: Yeah. And I I actually go through that a lot of times, you know, of new areas. Oh, yeah. I don't just sit there in the same old, you know, uh, units every single year. And and even if we do, we go to areas we've never been to. As a matter of fact, I'm going to one this year. I've never been to it. And so, you know, the area. So I don't know where the elk are. But, you know, that's a really good question. Because uh, what I do is I really do try to keep it simple. If I'm going into a new unit, I may uh, Go into the unit and and I'll start off calling and and the way I look where I'm going to go. I usually will take my phone because I have a, a Garmin in reach I have a mini in reach and it came with Earthmate, you know It's kind of like onyx and base map and those other things and because it's a new area. What I do is I usually I have that area downloaded on my phone you know, through that Earthmade yeah. app that comes with the Garmin uh, product, and then what I do is I, I take my phone, and I take a GPS or GPS a USB cord, and I and I plug it into the TV and the other end into my phone, and so now I'm looking at a sixty inch screen, and I scroll over that unit, and so you know, and I mean it, you're looking at it like it was on your phone, but in a huge, huge yeah. uh, broadcast. So now I'm looking over where's the trails, where's the roads, where's people going to come from. That's how I look at something. I, I want to make sure that when I go in to hunt, I'm going to get away where I think the elk are going to go or local elk may be living, but they're not being pressured. Mm. And, 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 and so it makes it really easy to do that right there on my TV. And so then I start touching maybe a dozen spots on my phone, all I do is touch on my phone and it and it shows it on the TV yeah. and it's showing I'm locking that spot, that spot, that, and I give it like a one, number one, number two, number three. I don't get too elaborate because I might get out there and it sucks, yeah. you know, but, but, but it looks good. And so I lock all those spots in previously. So I have, you know, somewhere to go, even though I'm in my living room, I have, okay, here's what we're going to focus on. These look really good. I'm looking at basins. I'm looking at, at either east and west running draws north and 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 south it doesn't matter i don't really favor one over the other oh, i really don't no i don't i don't favor any of them i find elk, as many elk in one as i do the other <laughs> but what i do look for is that there's water somewhere around yeah you, you, you've hunted long enough cody you know elk don't care if the water is 150 yards away or a mile and a half yeah. they just don't care They'll find it and they're there and they move back and forth from feeding to bedding. It don't mean squat to them. So I like to find water in an area, you know, something close. And then when you get over there, you know what you find? There's even more water than you thought because the maps don't show you every little intricate thing. It, yeah. it shows you good detail, but there's still, you know, some to be desired when you get in there. So what I'm doing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm picking all these spots out that I feel is away from pressure or for for easy access, like skid roads or dirt roads or trails, where people may call from, but yet they can't reach these areas. You see, and where the sound would be heard, either by them with an elk bugling or an elk hearing them. And so I look for those little spots right there. And those are the ones I key in on, because most people, if they don't hear something from the trail or a road, they don't penetrate. I mean, oh, they need to totally hear true. something. Yeah, so I, I avoid those things and I start picking out those spots, and and the reason I do it is I've done this for so many years. Not just with the the inreach and the phone it, it, that's made it easier, but I used to do it with just you know pulling out a map. Yeah. I pull out my topographical maps, and when I'm using those, I have to make sure I use the right map. I can't just use a map. <laughs> I, no, really, I have to use the USGS UTM grid 7.5 minute one in twenty-four thousand. those are very detailed maps and and your and your ground guys the surveyors and stuff use them you know when they're plotting lands and or homes or whatever because they're very detailed they'll even show little ponds and little creeks that you would never think of seeing on on larger scaled maps and so i used to do that and just pick out areas on the topographical maps and pick out areas like that because i mean i basically hunt all over the counter i hunt Public land, you know, forest land, state land, BLM, whatever open, and it'll show you all that stuff on the map. I don't hunt anywhere near private grounds. If I see a private area, I steer completely away from it. Oh, really? I, I just, oh, yeah, I won't even go to the border. Of it. I probably won't even go within a half a mile of it. Really? And, and the re- no, and the reason is that there are elk there, but people is are people magnets it just Mm. seems like the people hit it and hit it they know they're there they those elk get pushed and they run into the private where they're safe and so people know that and they're all hunting it well i don't want to hunt with those guys i don't care if it's three of them or 20 of them i move away from those and i find my own spots where i really don't have any intrusion with other hunters even though it's over the counter i i don't have much of a problem and rarely do i ever have to go two miles on a gps mile. nope it's usually way less than that. And I hit these pockets, and these elk are, you know, they're somewhere around. If I pick 12, there should be elk in four or five. You hope. They're yeah. never in every one, believe me. <laughs> I mean, it'd be easy that way. But, yeah. you know, so I, I do that as, a, as my game plan to Are your begin pockets with.
0: usually pretty spread out i mean because like I, I really like this oh like, yeah I, I totally latch on to this miles. idea of like the little pockets between things and and like you you know i could have one pocket that's here and then 50 miles away is this other little well pocket. not that far well I, that. I mean, that may be an exaggeration but it's like you know across the unit there's another little pocket here's a pocket here's a pocket Um yeah. and, and so like i i focus on those as well It's like finding those uh and like you said the more you can get away From pressure, whether it's next to private or I would say even like these backcountry spots where everyone goes, you know, those bulls are going to be more receptive to calls than a bull that's, you know, next to the private. It's been called at. you know, everybody's hunting the border edges these days or everyone's going in the backcountry. It seems like those are the two places that everyone's looking. uh, But the little nooks and crannies along the way can be gems.
1: Yeah, and, and there's no doubt about it. And the reason I stay uh, away from the private ground more than anything, it isn't that the elk can't be called to. Mm. It's what happens is, is you start getting guys coming into the calling. Mm-hmm. And whether it's you and an elk or, or whatever the case may be, you, you see that interruption. And it can happen at any time. And, and it's pretty regular. And and so I'm speaking from experience there. Those are one of the things, the probably the main thing that – you know what? I don't want to deal with that. Maybe I'm messing them up and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Or maybe they're messing me up or, or, or I have to now hunt the trails in that area. I have to hunt the bedding areas. I have to hunt the water sources yeah. because I, you know, they're destination spots. So I have to outsmart them. Well, I don't want to hunt that way. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not effective. I don't care to, <laughs> I want to, I want to run and gun. and I want to call elk. Yeah, that's just all there is to it, and that's you know I'm going to probably get old enough one of these days where I'm going to have to resort to lesser stuff like that where not so much energy is burned. But I'm only sixty-five, so I still can do stuff. You know, I don't have any issues with that right now. The day I'm Paul Adela is
0: sitting in a water hole, I may have to question everything.
1: And, well, you know that means he's getting old. <laughs> but I like calling so much that it keeps me going. That's my adrenaline rush. You know, at 65, how many things do you have that really give you that kind of excitement? And that, I mean, that rush, like I said, you don't get a lot of things, but elk hunting is one of them. And so, you know, I don't want to let go of it I so I work out all the time year round so that I can continue to pursue you know, pursue these guys, these elk, wherever they are. I don't like to to throw the towel in because there's elk somewhere and I'm saying I'm not physically fit to get there. Oh I totally I don't hey, want to be so that. S sc-
0: scenario based question for you. Uh, hypothetically, I, we kinda went through the e scouting, how you're gonna look for elk and whatnot. Let's say you get you show up and you're like, cool, this little basin, um, let's just say let's say it's a mile long um uh, and you know a thousand feet deep whatever it's you know a pretty small basin but it's all timbered uh what's what's your go-to are you gonna work the ridges are you gonna work kind of halfway down the mountain are you like gonna walk the bottom like what let's just take a basin for example that's completely timbered uh and you're gonna go check and see if there's elk you've never been there before let's go see if there's elk like what's what's kind of your system
1: and yeah, those are exactly the type of things that I look for. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes your access has to be from the top. It's just the, the lay of the land where you're coming yeah. in from. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, uh, mid-range of that mountain from top to bottom. Sometimes it's at the bottom. Do you, prefer One of the think-
0: a, do you prefer top or bottom, like coming in from the top versus coming in from the bottom, or does it matter to you?
1: I don't care because I'm not that wind freak. Mm. I do not care what the wind is doing. I could care less <laughs> because I'm a caller. Yeah. I'm gonna find those elk before they find me. And and I mean, how many times are you walking out there calling if you're if if you're calling and getting a response, especially where the elk are a hundred yards away? I'm I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's yeah. a very, very rare occurrence. And, and and somebody may be listening, one of the listeners, oh, I had that happen to me. Well, okay. Yeah. Wait after 40 years of elk hunting like I've done. And then you start putting this big picture together and you tell me how many times it's really happened. It's a rare, rare occurrence. So I'm willing to get burned from that bull if it ever happens because there's so many other times you hear elk at a much greater distance that you don't have to worry about. What happens is a lot of these people, the wind's going down in the morning so they don't want to hunt from the top. Are you kidding me? These guys are talking about going anywhere from 400 to 1,000 feet down. If you sat a tree stand 400 yards up, do you think an elk would ever <laughs> smell you? That's what you have to look at it like. Yeah. Your wind does not go down like that. Yeah. And even when you are within 100 yards with normal winds, I mean, it can be windy. Most people don't realize, Cody, that your scent cone is only 10 to 15 feet wide. They think this thing is running 300 yards wide. It's yeah. not. It's right in front of you. And as the wind goes down, if I have a bull 100, 150 yards, and that's close, and I didn't know he was there and he responds, I have plenty of time to check the wind and now move left or right before I make another sound and t- to, to, to redirect him to where – I want my, my new position, which gives me the favor of yeah. the wind. So see, it's not. I, I don't worry about the wind. So if I'm starting from the top, mid range, you know, mid mountain, from the bottom, I'm locating elk. That's what I'm doing. I'm calling. Yeah. And if they're and if I happen to bump into something and they never responded, so what? I didn't want to mess with them anyway. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't vocal. I mean, it's true. That's how I go. And I'll tell you why. Because it rarely ever happens. Maybe once every five years, I bump into elk that never said anything. That's yeah. how rare it is. It, and, and I don't even know if that's an accurate yearly thing. But it, my point is when you hunt like me 20, 25 days a year during September, I mean years go by and it never happens. So yeah. I'm I'm not that guy like it happened to me once. You know, I mean I, who cares there's always those that things that happen to you once or more that you 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 can't you can't let those things bother you because it's not the normal totally. you know and, and, and yeah, think, I've had go I, ahead
0: I think it's it's funny cuz I think we've talked about this before but it's a matter of you have to cover ground and I'm willing to risk bumping an elk if it means I'm going to cover six times as much ground and be more efficient cuz at the end of the day it's like you need to find elk fast and then hunt them slow or at least hunt them methodically. No, you're right. And and so like a lot of times there's, you know, I want to go three, three little micro drainages over. I think that's where the herd of elk is going to be in the morning. And it's like, okay, well, am I risking going through these two little drainages? I might bump a a satellite bull. Yes, but I'm not going to not be there when I want to be there because that's going to reduce my chance of, killing the herd bull in that drainage that i think and and maybe there's a chance he moved a drainage closer in the night that's fine but like at the end of the day i gotta go through some really really good elk terrain to get to where i think i have the best chance of killing an elk would you agree with that
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's what happens. You know, we're all going to bump an elk, especially if we have a target elk. Yeah. You know, if we're not just saying we, if it's brown, it's down. Yeah. If that's the case, you know, that's a totally different strategy. But when you're working like, like okay, I've killed a ton of elk. I just want to shoot six points now, or I want to shoot fives and sixes when I'm nothing but over the mm-hmm. counter. So you know, it all depends on, on 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 what an individual is looking for, or you might say what what he would settle for. But if I was after just you know the herd bull, and in most cases we generally are, but I don't want people to think that if it's not we would never hunt it and and, and shoot it yeah. because I don't want to be that guy on social media that thinks you just have to be better than <laughs> everybody I, you know seriously Cody I mean I can remember when we first started elk hunting I'm not trying to get off the subject but 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 when we first started elk hunting the enjoyment that we had with bows because we started bow hunting 31 years ago i've I rifle hunted too and that's what puts me up to the 40 years of elk hunting but 31 years this year we started bow hunting and so I can remember just, man, if we got a spike in or a raghorn or, oh, you know, we were so excited, you know, you're just, you you're just getting in with a bow yeah. and, and the excitement that we would have, my son and I, or anybody that we were hunting with at that time, it was just such a great thing. And I hate to see people lose that and thinking, oh my goodness, I got to kill at least this or that because the peer pressure and people looking down on me. And then you see people apologizing for what they killed because they couldn't find something better. I mean, I hate that. Yeah. Be happy. Be excited for what you pulled the trigger on. I mean, it's a gift from God that you got this thing. Yeah. Be happy. You're going to enjoy the, the meat for the entire year. It doesn't mean we don't all want to kill a bigger animal here and there. No, that's nothing to do with it. But the point is, is, is be satisfied with what has come your way. And if you decided to take that life, that's what I'm talking about. Even though I've killed a lot of elk, I still get so excited you know, especially hunting over the counter, if, if, if a five point comes in, I'm going to shoot it. (laughs) There's no question in my mind. And you're like, why Paul, you know, you could kill something bigger. Well, yeah, I know I could, but I don't care. I don't want to, I don't want to take that away. I don't want to take that enjoyment away that I used to have. And then, then I know I have to still call for my son, my grandson. I'm taking two more guys out this year as well that, you know, that I told I would help. And so, you know, a lot of guys are just out there hunting for themselves. They don't get it. When they go, oh, you're doing this and you're doing that and you shot that. Well, they don't realize I usually am trying to help four to six people every year. Yeah. And why? Killing I don't six care bulls on is a lot of work. Everybody that. <laughs> I don't go tell everybody yeah. whatever. I don't have to. I don't have to answer to these people. But I still want to enjoy elk hunting. I don't want that to ever leave me. That I, 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 it gets replaced with. It always has to be bigger and better. And you know, I think that takes a lot of the the joy out of it. And I, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. And so I'm glad I started that way, because you know there was no social media when I was a uh, 20. <laughs> 15. There was none. I mean, it was all black and white TV. Oh, but I, I, I know what you mean. I do, I do want to touch on one thing. When you talked about how do I do it on early season elk or in a new area, if I take two days in an area and I've, I've, I've done my homework and I'm hitting these areas and I'm not finding anything, I'm, I'm, I'm being unsuccessful. Unsucce- you know, and this happens, guys. I mean, just because I'm the elk, that doesn't mean elk come flocking to me. <laughs> I have to do my part. And if I can't find anything, You probably already know what I'm going to say, but I rode bugle. I now start an hour and a half before daylight and I drive and stop every mile as long as I'm not running out of the camp. And I'll go, you know, five miles, 10 miles, 15, 20, 25. I don't care. Pavement or dirt. I will stop every mile and I'll call, call, call. I do it every year. And to this date, I've done it for so many years. It's ridiculous. I think in doing it, as I look back, I'm 100 percent. I have never not driven and found a bull. Never. Yeah. I I find because I won't quit yeah. until I finally goes. There's one right there. And then there's days you go and you're you're gonna hear a bull, a bull, a bull, a bull. I mean they're everywhere. And you're just like, no, I, by his sound, no. Let's go further, Paul. This this is this isn't what we're looking for. That's a young. Well, you know because so many are bugling as the season goes on, but when we find them. And folks, don't think they're standing next to the road. I'm talking about they're real distant. Some of them are a mile away or more, air mile. I mean, they're way out there. But the point is, it says, okay, there's some elk over here. Yep. And who knows what you're going to find once you get in there. So I, I will do my study at home, pick areas out. And yes, it works great. We kill bulls that way. But when you know push comes to shove, I have no problem with, with finding them an hour and a half before light to an hour or more after. You know, I'll just keep calling, 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 move, 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 and bam, and, and I'll finally find them. So those are the types of things I'm resorting to, and then once I do find them, I'm reading the emotion. I try to evaluate what I'm hearing, how much bugling, more more than one bull. Can I hear the cows? This all tells me the tactic I'm going to choose once I get in there because it's not always a cow call and a bugle. It can't be. You know, or, or yeah. it, it doesn't work for every elk that way. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of my system that I've, I, I've boiled down to. And, you know, I've always said, if it's not broke, don't fix it, man, because it really does work. It does. And, and like bugle
0: at night, I have found so many bowls. So I found so many great spots that I never in a million years would have picked out, uh, never would have guessed, never would have like looked at an e-scouting map and been like, that's mm-hmm. a good spot. And I lo-, you know, lo and behold, I'll hear one bugle. Uh, from, you know, it could be like a little five point. And then I go down in there and the next day during the, you know, during daylight, it's like, there's elk everywhere. There's fuel going on everywhere. I'm like, this is crazy. Like it's, you know, 500 yards, thousand yards from the road. And there's a whole pile of elk rutting down here. In a place I never in a million years would have guessed. That's um, right. And that's such a such a huge stack. And you
1: know, they're elk at that time because there's yeah. nobody out there that early, you know, calling. I mean, it's it's elk when you hear them, you know, yeah. when it's still dark. Oh, do, you yeah. ever,
0: do you ever spend time and try to change the temperature of a situation at night? So, hypothetically, you know, let's say it's an hour before daylight, you get one bull to pipe off. Have you had very much luck kind of just continuing a bugle and, and getting him fired up and then coming back in the next day? And, coming into a situation that's a little bit hotter than say it was before.
1: Personally, I don't do that. The same reason that I don't cow call when I do it because I don't want those elk, their curiosity to be built up so much that after I leave, they come sneaking down in there. I mean, you know, you never know what happens even an hour later and they come sneaking down where they heard the other elk smell the area, you know, associate a human, And then they're gone. All I try to do is make contact. But when I'm there that early, I'm ready to hunt. My pack is loaded and sitting in my rig. And when I hear them, I pull over and park right there. I don't care what it is. (laughs) I just jam the rig off the road. And I shoulder that pack and away I go. I get up there and I don't call. I start going up, you know, depending on the distance. And and, and I try to get within two or 300 yards with the wind in my favor. And I just hope that... This elk continues to make some sounds or another one does or some cows, anything so that it it gives me an idea of my cushion of where I can get up there and wait for daylight. And in most cases, I will say when I say I'm going to say 80, 85 percent of the cases I've, I've established contact on the road, they will continue to say something. In, yep. in search of me, or maybe talking to one another, or a bull talking to his cows. You see, and I'm listening for this. How do you know if a bull's talking to his cows and not to you? I mean, it's so easy. You can tell because his sounds aren't nearly as loud like he answered me. They're much quieter, but yet you'll hear a bull that's monitoring the cows or keeping in contact with them and they're moving. Maybe they're moving along the hill and you'll hear him just, and when a bull's doing it, he sounds like this, Cody. You're going to see no intimidation. You'll just hear a bull. That's all he's doing. And you'll hear him just keep doing it. Maybe every 10 minutes he'll call. And next, you know, his sound's over here. Then it's over here. Then here. And he's just talking to his cows as he's moving them through. And they're all keeping order. Nothing else is answering. I'm not answering. But that's what's going on. You see there's nothing else going there. He just leaving from feeding to bedding and you'll hear him talk to the cows as they're all moving along staying in their group. Doesn't mean they're all close together. Heck, they could be strung out 150 yards and it could only be four elk. I yeah. mean that's just elk. You know they're, they're they're flesh and blood. But you'll hear him talk to them. Now if I answered, if I re, you know reported back with the bugle and he answered me, it's not going to be the same bugle. Yeah. You're going to hear a little more you know emotion behind it as a matter of fact it's hard to say which one he'll use but all of a sudden his note may be more of a (laughs) you see he gives a little more fierceness to it not so uh, nonchalant and social Mm -hmm. and more of a stay back stay away from us you know and you'll hear him make that change and then when his, his sounds as he's talking again get more mild you can tell he's talking to his cows again and so see I'm playing all this in my head and guys, when you've called as many elk as we have and have heard them, I mean thousands and thousands of bugles, you start getting this down and you can tell without ever seeing them. But if you see the elk you're calling and talking to and then you see this is exactly what's happening, it just helps cement it and put it all into you know perspective whether next time you hear it. The years ahead that, that that you don't have to see him, you know what's going on. So you learn from those things. Don't just listen to a bugle being a bugle from a bull. You know, try to, to try to understand what's being said or what the message is that's being sent. Are they talking to you? Are they talking to someone else? Are they talking to the cows? And that's what we try to play up on. And without being you know overwhelming about it, it's just basically understanding the emotion that you're hearing. When the elk bugles, and 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 and, and I, I mean, it goes a long way, it, it, to, you know, toward one success or reading a situation. But but I understand what you're saying, you know. But but that's basically, you know, kind of how we're we're, we're uh, approaching things.
0: Yeah, that's man, uh, spot on. So when you when you are moving on these elk, when and why do you do what you do next, or like what's the next call? So you're kind of you found a bull, you moved in. we're, we're being silent, maybe we're just listening in the dark from a couple hundred yards away. I'm like, okay, there's definitely a bull down there. He's got cows. Uh, you know, what's the next move?
1: Okay, if I decide he has cows, and 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 it very well could be, I need to know our other bulls bugling. Mm-hmm. If if nobody's bugling, it's just him, and he's talking to his cows, and nothing else is really going on, then I know what I have to do to try to call that bull in. Because I'm not going to get real aggressive with him. First of all, he doesn't have any hot cows. It, not even a single cow is hot in that group. Yep. Or he'd be being pestered by satellites in the area because of the fact that that airborne chemical, the pheromone that <laughs> comes out of a cow, will hit the atmosphere. And they're going to know. And yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that's where the competition comes from. Mm-hmm. And so none of that's happening. So now are they still where they're, where they're going to be? Are they right there? If they are, I can call him in. If it looks like they're on the move in transition, going, they're leaving the feeding area and heading to the bedding. You know, a lot of times they'll do that. You never know from one day to another. It's not like this is scripted and yeah. these things are robots and they do the same thing every day. They don't. And so if I think they're hanging around that edge right there, I'm going, to, I'm going to play the game. And see, I really don't want to go to the slow play right there because I think he's going to leave pretty fast. But if I can get him to answer a cow call, Just one. He's he's a dead bull. He's done. But see, a lot of times, especially early season, a bull will not respond to the cow call. Now, I'm not saying all bulls, but you will find out that most of them will not. Nothing. They won't say. You give a bugle, wham, they slam you. Instantaneous. And then I've had the same thing, the opposite be true. But I will say that by a mile, most bulls, whether they have cows or not, will not respond to a cow call almost the first six or seven days of September as a whole. And so if he does, great. If he doesn't, great. I'll use whatever's going to work with him. But when he answers a cow call, I know I got him.
0: So So when you hit oh, that yeah. first cow call, when like how close are you? Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. So you could he, be he up can, on the nah, ridge. He, he could be five hundred
1: yards away. Uh, okay. He's calling me to him. I already know that. He wants me to come. So if I set if I run up there and I set up and he's got cows, and every one of his sounds come from the same spot. Let's say I get up there 300 yards, and I'm not sure where he is. So I call I, – I'm, I'm trying to call him to me. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't want – I'm not trying to say, where are you? I'm trying to bring him over. Yeah. And so – What's your cow call a,
0: look like in that situation? It's going to
1: sound just like this here. <coughs> That's a cow ta- asking other elk. Whether and whoever she's talking to, it could be a calf, it could be other cows, it could be a bull, doesn't matter. The same as you saying, Hey, come over here. Does it matter if it's a little boy or your wife or a girlfriend or a, a workmate? Doesn't matter. You said, Would you come over here? And so that's what elk will use. That's the sound that they'll use. Now, if that, if you walk out and you start doing this, Just talking social as they're moving around. That doesn't ask anything from that bull. Nothing. It just says there's an elk there. So what I'm doing is I'm using what I call a regathering or come on over here. And a regathering sound is like a bugle. You can have different intensities or emotion to a bugle, right? You can have a location bugle. You can have a roundup. You can have a challenge. You can have a lip ball. They're all bugles, but they all represent a different message. So, So do cow calls. So what I'm doing is using the shorter version of asking him to come over. And if I wanted to get more insistent, I would lengthen. And that's what a cow would do. And she would do this. And she gets more insistent when she does that. Just as if you were asking somebody and you, you know, hey, and you said, hey, Joey, come here. And he's not coming and you don't see him. You go, hey, Joey. And that's what you're doing. And that's all elk are doing. Yeah. They're changing their tone or their emotion of the sound or the cadence. And that sends their message. So when I'm trying to call that bull, so I get up there. I don't know where he is, but I know he's there. And so now I letting him know I heard him. So now I'm trying to bring him over to me. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And I want to know where he is. If he answers and I call and I wait right there. 20 30 seconds at the most i call again any answers if he's closer that sucker's gonna come all the way all the way i can maybe call and keep moving on him because we're 300 yards apart and and close the distance and i'm gonna finally get to a spot because he'll call he's gonna chuckle he in other words he's closing the distance he's not gonna stop he's coming for this cow he wants a scent checker he wants to check her out doesn't know her from her sound so what I'm going to do is I'm going to usually get, when I get that 100, 150 yard range, I'm going to hit him with my last sound and try to move up as far as I can. If it's 20 yards, it's 20 because of terrain. If it's 50, it's 50, whatever in between. And I'm not going to say anything. I want him to think where he, he I'm where he heard me last. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to set up as a lone hunter. Two people. It changes everything. You know, you, you you send the shooter up and the caller can still be back there making a few sounds or whatever, yeah. depending on the bull's attitude. Now, if you're a
0: caller and there's a shooter, would you just keep kind of with the same tone and the same, like, come here? Or are you now going oh, yeah. to switch like like go to, like, I'm not going go to the
1: long one? I'm not going to the long one. I already made contact. The yeah. longer version is not just urgency, but she's not sure where he is.
0: Once you once you say the longer version, you're like, okay, get over here. And then he starts coming. Are you going to, as a caller with a shooter, would you just switch to just cows milling around?
1: No, I'm still going to stay with a single cow. Okay. I'm not going to go to multiple elk. No, okay. no, no, no. Stay with a single one. But at the same time, I'm not going to get overly aggressive with it. I've already planted the seed. He's coming. Yeah. I've already noticed that he was here. Now he's here. Now he's here. Now he's here. It's one of those things. Now, for some reason, and I even told you the story before. I mean, I've had a lot of them, but the last one is is if a lot of times they'll get to that 75-yard mark, thick timber, can't see him, and they'll insist on you coming. Yep. And when and, and you'll know that because he keeps calling and he's not moving. He's no longer coming. He stays yep. right there anchored. That's when I leave. That's when I retreat. I leave the shooter right there, and I just start retreating. As a stubborn cow, losing interest <laughs> in him. And I'll make a few cow sounds, breaking branches, moving, this, like she's leaving, but not calling him to me. Just meow, 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 and leave, walk away. Yep. Like, screw I don't care. That will bring him into come on down. That's what he's going to do. He's going to come down and he's going to want a scent check where he heard you at the furthest point, and which is right where the shooter's standing. So how and do you he, solve
0: for that when you are solo?
1: You have to play both roles. <laughs> you have to go back and then usher yourself back up as quick as you can to a spot within bow range of where you called first. Yeah. You know, or last, I'm sorry, but last, you know, the, your first spot up there, I should say. Because he's gonna come, he's gonna smell it. That's what he does. He comes walking up and he's smelling everywhere. I mean, you know, he, he's scent checking. That's what the that's all these bulls have on their mind when you have them at that stage. Not all of September, but I had the interest in him, so I already know what his interest is. He hasn't come over to shake my hand. He wants to check this cow. And so he wants to come within range of that or smelling range. And you can't believe in most cases they never come in downwind. They just come straight at you unless you've you've raised suspicion in their eyes and did something wrong or you've made a movement, you know, and he saw it, but he can't identify. That's when they start coming in downwind. Outside of that straight as a string or whatever obstacles in their way, they'll start going around it. But Path of I mean, least resistance. You know, that's what they do. And I say this from just so many elk call-ins is, 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 you know something, Cody, something real funny, is I can't even tell you the last year that a bull came in downwind on me. I don't even know when it was. I, I, I tried to rack my brain a while ago because this is like about the 20th podcast I've given this year. <laughs> and and guys have asked me this. And I, I don't even remember the last year it happened. The, and, the and, only and,
0: time it ever happens is like, it's, at least to me, is when something goes wrong or yep. I get pinned down as a solo hunter. I get pinned down and I can't do something. And so like the jig was up anyway. Like there's a there's a small chance I might get a shot, but the jig was up and now he's trying to figure it out. You know, he didn't bark because it's not in his personality. But at the end of the day, like that's basically what happened. And now he's trying to double check. You know, he's like the jig was up. I screwed it up somehow, and that's the only time I've had them try to like circle downwind. But if you got them coming on a on a string, like usually it's the path least resistance, they come straight at you. I man, maybe it's just the elk I hunt, but I tend to think that the bulls are generally not worried about is it a human or is it an elk. Like their first response is like, oh this this is an elk, I'm going towards it.
1: No, I understand. Like I said, it's when suspicion is raised. Yep. That's when they start circling on you yeah. outside of suspicion and they're convinced. And, and, and you know, elk aren't sitting back there going, is this a human or a bull? Yeah. They don't have that capacity <laughs> not even close. Yeah. But what what says, is this a human or a possible threat is really how it enters their mind is when they see or hear something that doesn't fit. Mm. And that is when they're like, "Uh-oh, uh-oh, yep. uh-oh, uh-oh." But but they're not to the point of, you know, barking or or there's something wrong and they leave the country. It isn't that. They it isn't to that point. It's more like, I better make sure before I proceed any closer, and that's <laughs> when they start coming in downwind. But you remove that from the equation, and they just come right in because I hunt all over the counter and I mean we're calling these elk in where everybody has hunted them or pushed them into these spots Oh, yeah, I don't care where I go Somebody has already messed with these. <laughs> I mean, it's just how they are. They just move. Yeah, and so being believable In your sounds, you know, and, and, and to me that's that's where it's at if, uh, if all you had to do is walk out there and do some decent bugle bull sounds and some decent cow sounds and you had most of the elk coming in, that tells me that you're probably hunting dumb elk. You're hunting elk that see no pressure because you're getting most of them to come into those types of sounds. And When they hear an elk sound in, in, in areas and there's nothing but elk and no, really, no real human intrusion, you'll see they're much more readily to come in. But when you're hunting elk in pressured areas, then you have to be more convincing in your sounds. And so a, a lot of it isn't just a bugle or the cow sound. It's also the volume of it. And it's like when I'm playing the slow play, you know, you have to have your 10 foot, 15 foot voice when you're working that, that cow, Mm -hmm. even though you want the bull to hear you 150 yards away, you must remember you are not talking to him or any other elk, it's her. And, and, and and guys, they, they lose sight of that, even though I've written it in such detail and, and I'm all, I'm actually going to put a video of a slow, of the slow play on the app. So all you guys that have the app or thinking about getting it, I'm going to add that slow play, which is probably one of the most deadliest tactics you will ever use in all your born days. It is (laughs) so incredible when you do it right and you do it with the right bull. I kid you not. It's just crazy good. But the point is, is that most people just go through elk sounds and they're not, they really are. They're not feeling it. They don't have the emotion behind it. A a lot of times when I'm working that. Slower ones when I'm trying to convince a bull to come in and I have the cow guys think they have to challenge everything And a lot of times I'm not doing that. I may make sounds like this right here Just Oh, but when you do it and you're throwing the cow sound in and you're you're feeling your emotion for the situation you're in. It's just so convincing to other elk. You know, everybody just wants a bugle. They just want to rip it out there. They want to throw just generic cow sounds. But when you're putting your your feeling into it and you're talking to your lady, so to speak, right there. And then when a bull intrudes on you, you know, or he answers back and you don't like it. Now you (coughs) are You just let him know, hey, you know, all of a sudden you're a man again. But before you know what I mean, in, in yep. a more aggressive nature. You see, and then you're back to what you were doing and you're giving a few pants and I love just kind of oh. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of times you'll hear breath, though that I don't know if you can hear it to oh, the microphone. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're can. giving that breathing and <laughs> everything isn't just this boisterous, aggressive thing. That is that's how you be believable, Cody, and that's what I'm doing in a lot of these little sounds. Sometimes I'll even incorporate it in the breeding sequence, not just a slow play, and I'm just giving those little wheezes and just those oh, yearning things in this a real light cow sound. I mean it sells it like you can't believe on some of the most heavily pressured areas you'll ever hunt. I've called elk. Right off trailheads where guys have just went through and pulled bulls in, and I'm not kidding you, five and six hundred yards away, they never made a peep. But I knew they were there because they did bugle initially, but never made another sound from yep. there, and sucked them all the way down. You have to be patient go through this you know through your sequence don't give up and all of a sudden here they come because they get busted all the time and so they're not just bugling their way to you but when i know they're there i i, I honestly i feel, i know i can call them in yep. if i just stay strong and, and 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 have that confidence but when you see one bull after another after another after another come in when you're displaying those types of sounds under those situations that's what gives you the confidence that, you know, the next one will come and the next one and the next one. I mean, if one doesn't come, it's like, what happened? Because, yeah. I mean, they come so regular, but they'll come in quiet sometimes. Other times you get them riled up and they'll just start screaming after they've made it halfway down the mountain. They just get so excited and they start engaging. And, you know, so you, you play in both ways, whatever the case may be.
0: I love, but, I love playing slow playing elk like that and like, uh, Slope, heavy timbered slope, and I know there's an elk in it. Like, best case scenario, bulls bugling. I hear him go up, and you know, he's bedded somewhere on this hill. I love slipping in there and doing that. We're just making the noises, trying to sound like elk. and I think 99% of people will call. I think 99% of people call for about 15 to 20 minutes tops, uh, and then they're like, Oh, nothing showed up. And I bet you. Well, at least 50% of the time an elk came by within the next hour of that. And I love going in there and just like, especially you get in there, you see sign and you know, there's elk that use this hill. Like this is a, this is a very sellable situation that I'm trying to feed to whatever's on this hillside. And you start doing those, like, Elk sound, just all sorts of elk sounds, and maybe rubbing some trees. And sure enough, like you can draw that bull, you know, you can draw a good bull, you know, take a scenario where, like we talked about, uh, bull, there's no hot cow in there, he's just tending a herd. There is a high likelihood if you get his curiosity going, that he's going to come and investigate. He may not say a word. He may not come in screaming his face off. He probably won't. But if he doesn't have a hot cow that he's defending, he's probably going to come investigate.
1: 100%. I can't even remember the last time I used a slow play on a herd bull with cows, nothing hot, and I didn't pull him in. But in most cases, he finally starts to engage bugling. And when he does, he won't shut up. And you took a bull from nothing for 15 minutes. He hasn't made a peep. And then all of a sudden. But I find using the slow play that most bulls do start to engage. And they start lightly. Mm-hmm. and then and that's why you know i'm not I, i'm not trying to put the pedal to the metal on them my first sounds uh you know i'm I'm trying to make it real yes. just like real elk do when 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 a bull comes in he goes Row! you know the bull doesn't come back with just you know a number 10 yeah. call i mean he just doesn't do it they may you know he may show some displeasure for the bull being there or being that close but that's what it's like it's like with people talking if i said something to you and and, and you didn't like it you're not going to go, blah, 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 right, right off the yeah. rear. You're going to go, oh, wait a minute, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. Yeah. You see, but your voice raised. You yep. see, and you showed a little more emotion. And if I said, oh, screw you, it could raise even more until mm-hmm. it finally escalates to just a screaming match. Well, that's what elk are doing. If yep. people would just understand to be natural, you can't go from a one to a ten all within five seconds and expect the thing to come <laughs> running you over. But they see all this stuff. And, you know, it's so funny because you talk about the slow play and, you know, it's one of my favorite things. But I've watched YouTube guys. I'm not going to say who they are. I've watched them try to work the slow play right there on YouTube because they knew what it was. And you know what they're doing wrong? All they're doing is making elk sounds. They have no feeling in it, no emotion. It's just like they're supposed to make these elk sounds. And that is it. And, guys, that is not how you do it. You have to show the right emotion as you're using the, the the variety of sounds, and most of them are making them way too loud, like they're trying to talk to the elk they heard over there. Mm. And you can't do that once you make contact. Believe those elk can hear you 150, 200 yards away. It doesn't matter; they hear you. You've got their attention, and 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 I see them make. I watch guys go in there, and they're they're, they're they tried to They're and then. Just like clunk that's what they're doing. It yeah. doesn't even there's nothing natural about it. That's not how the
0: scenario plays out in real life.
1: <laughs> they just don't get it. They don't get that yeah. you gotta be in you, you gotta think about what you're doing. It's like if I mean it's like you know, and I've said this before, but it's like you're trying to show the emotion to your wife or a girlfriend and you want to tell her you love her and yeah, you say, you're going to give her a ring for whatever occasion. And you go, you know, you're telling her how much you love her and you appreciate her and you're handing her that ring. Can you imagine the feeling? And she's like awestruck, just kind of, not saying anything, but you, you, you use the right emotion and the right, you know, sound and the feeling behind it. But what if you walked up there and said the same thing? You go, Hey, I love you. And you flipped it over to her like a coin yeah. in her hand, you know, and you walk away. Yeah. You said, I love you. You said the same thing, Yeah, but technically. you notice the difference the way? yes, you noticed the, the presentation the first time hits home a hundred times harder than the old coin flip and say, yeah. I love you. And walk. I mean, really, you did the same thing, but nowhere near in the presentation. That's what you're doing with elk sounds. When you're, you know, it's one thing to just get aggressive with the bull because he has a hot cow and you're on top of him. And he comes screaming in and you kill him. You know, that's just wonderful. But very few bulls out there are in that temperament. You have to know how to work them with depending on the tactic that you've chosen. It's like the breeding sequence. Yeah. The breeding sequence. Yes, you, I've had guys ask me, well, isn't the slow play the same as the breeding sequence? You're still trying to show elk that you have a hot cow? Well, see, the difference is when you're working a breeding sequence, you're, you, sequence, you're working multiple cows. And you really don't need to go into the glunking. You don't need to go. You can do the pant. You can do whatever you want. But in, generally on a breeding sequence, you're just going into multiple elk. And I usually am using it when I have several satellites who are harassing a herd bull that has a hot cow yep i'm trying to suck one of the satellites in that's what I'm doing, whether it's for another hunter, and usually not myself, but that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to give up my odds really quick. I'm going to suck one of those satellites in and by going through multiple cows and a bull raking, and maybe he is giving a few pants, and he's screaming. If they answer, you know, you're, that's what you're doing. You're, yeah. you're, you're creating quick excitement, whereas a slow play is the one where you give a few cow sounds and don't say anything for two or three minutes. Yeah. Then you can give a few more two or three minutes. Nothing. What? Two or three minutes, you do it again. You see, you're building up because you're working a bull that isn't bugling. Yeah. Over here, you got bugling bulls. So, so. The odds are you're going to suck one of those satellites in much, much faster. And yeah. that the 30,000
0: foot view really is like for people to understand, like there's two, two basic scenarios. There's either a hot cow in the bunch or there's not. And when there's That's not, right. which is like,
1: exactly I would say exactly.
0: 60 to 70% of the time, there's not a hot cow. No, June, or more <laughs> <so> yeah, <laughs> September 5th, like statistically speaking, the number of hot cows, like it could happen, but statistically you're but probably rare, trying to but... work elk that are just there. Yeah there's a herd bull and yeah you think he's a herd bull he's not he's a he's a bull that's in the herd that is not the same thing
1: that's a good point right (laughs) there he's a bull that's in the herd for now for now and like so (laughs) when
0: you look at this situation be like okay there's option one do i think there's a hot cow option two there is not or there is a hot cow when there's a hot cow you can get away with a lot and a lot of the guys that are running around challenging everything that go that'll chat or bugle at them and try to call it in they're They're shopping for a hot cow is essentially what they're doing. They're shopping for a bull that's tending a hot cow. That situation is very different. But let's look at like, let's just say you were a fly on the wall. Here's a mountainside, a hillside that these elk have been on. Let's just hypothetically say they've been there all summer. Uh, Maybe they've only been there a month. This bull came by. He found cows, so he's hanging out with them. Their day-to-day is pretty regimented. Like They're kind of random, but at the same time, they kind of know what's going on on the side of the hill. And you walk in and try to show that there's a rut fest on the side of the hill. They already know that that's probably not the case. Like the, Statistically, the odds of it, just all of a sudden, there's a rut fest on September 3rd uh, going on in an area they've been in for a couple months. Throws a lot of red flags. You know what I mean? And so like, Absolutely. if you just look at it as, okay, is there a hot cow? or not a hot cow? Now there's times you can convince a bull that doesn't have a hot cow. that You have a hot cow. That's where the slow play comes in. You have to basically lay out this framework for what's going on. And this could take a day or two, uh, but you know, you have to do it slow play. And that's what we're talking about is like, I think a hundred percent agree with you. But I think the most basic way to think about it from the person who's like, listening to this is, you know, How do I do it for no hot cow versus how do I do it when there's a hot cow and bull's screaming and satellites trying to run them off?
1: It depends on your target animal. Yeah. You know, not everybody's trying to kill uh, a a herd bull. I mean, a lot of guys are newer elk hunters or only hunted, you know, five, six, seven years. and Maybe they killed one elk and they don't even know how they killed it. It, (laughs) You know, and it's true. But when you get around elk like that i try to get them in the cover if they're in the open i don't make any sounds at all unless i can get deep into the cover and leave a shooter at the timberline you know that that type of thing because what i'm going to do is i'm going to call the cows away and, yeah. and usually anything in the group is what's going to follow so if you go straight to a long version of a regathering sound because you see the regathering sound can mean I don't know where you guys are at. Where are you? It asks for an action or reaction from other elk. Yeah. It can also it can also apply to elk that she knows is there, and she's telling them to come over to this spot. You see, and so she's going to go in, and she's going to hit this note here. <coughs> and she's going to do this anywhere from half a dozen times to ten times. And you cannot believe how magnetic that sound is. It will suck them over so fast, but you can't do it from the timber line where they know they should see something because Mm -hmm. they may ask you to come out. And and, and in other words, if you hear them all of a sudden do this, they're telling you to come on over and you can't do it. So get deep into the timber. Even if you're by yourself, you got to get way back there. You know that you spotted them. Now you're back 100 yards. They know you can't see them. So you try to convince them to keep coming back. And a lot of times if they do start hitting that note, immediately I come over with the contact buzz. Because that's just urgently telling them to come over there now. Just like if you were asking someone to come over and you're going, no, no, come over here, come over here. Yeah. That's what the contact buzz, the, the contact buzz does. It's an urgent reaction from other elk for no for you to come over this way. Yeah. And so that is so important, you know, uh, 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 that, that you use those sounds at the right time. It's, and I know we haven't talked for a couple of years, but, but two years ago when I called that bull in for Paul and he shot him at five yards away, this bull came in screaming. Do you remember? I yep, I never told I you about it. that. No, I think he And, and I, he shot him at five yards, but I don't think we talked before that because this was only in 2018. Maybe we did. Where that cat where the cows came up and started calling for the dead bull to come back? Maybe not. Yeah, see, he killed this well he's killed a lot of close ones, but this one I called in he was just screaming. I ended up I started him with a slow play and I worked him all the way around and he came in screaming. And Paul shot him at, in self-defense. I <laughs> just bull tried to run him over. I was 15 yards behind him, but on the lower end of a bench. But the point is to the story was Paul drilled him on a fronto. I heard the shot and everything went quiet. And 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 and, and we knew this area really well. It was raining like hell. I hate hunting in the rain, but I knew, I just, my gut feeling told me this was going to be a good day. Let's gear up and go. We knew this mountainside where sometimes they're there. So anyway, as we had only went maybe 300 yards from the rig, I told Paul, I mean, since we knew the area so well, I said, I'm taking my pack off because it was slick. It was raining hard. It's the first time I've ever done it. I always keep my pack on, but I said, I'm dropping my pack here so I can keep up. It was steep. It's real steep. Goes up four or five benches and you can be half to three quarters of a mile in no time at all. And we had a bull bugle up there, so we were pretty confident we were going to call him in and kill him. And at that time, I, I dropped the pack so I could keep up with Paul easier. To be honest with you, that's really what it was. I was just getting older. What am I going to say? <laughs> you know, I was 63 then. I'm 65 now. So I got up there and we kept up. We finally got the bull. Three different setups. I finally figured out. I thought he was closer than he was, but he wasn't. And so anyway, on the third setup, I called him in and just a screaming rage running, smoking down the hill. Really nice six point. And Paul shot him at five yards. So I and, and I run up there to him. I'm calling, 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 trying to slow the bull down. Well, what I didn't know was about 15 feet, the bulls laying there dead. Oh. He didn't go anywhere. Paul, he did Paul. point. I look at him like, what, what? He, he just points. That's Paul. Not yeah. much emotion. He points, and there's the bull laying there. I'm like, oh, are you <laughs> kidding me? So I said, well, let me run down and grab my pack. So I run down and grab my pack, and I'm coming back up. It took me about, I would say, maybe 20 minutes, maybe a hair more, all together to go down the mountain where I, I left and come back up. As I'm coming up, Paul is giving me the, shh, shh, be quiet, sound. I'm like, what? And he's sitting there right next to the bull. So I go up, to the, I go up and I'm like, what? And I hear cows starting to call. Just all of a sudden, I hear, meow, meow. Yeah. And, like, and he's like, they have been doing that ever since you left. And I said, really he goes, yeah. He said, I think there's six of them from the sounds I can hear. He says, and then about every five minutes, this one gives two contact buzzes. And I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no, just sit and listen. They're trying to call the bull up. That was the bull's cows. That's crazy. And, oh, yeah. But they knew something wasn't right. They're only 60 yards away. But it's that thick. We couldn't see him. So I'm sitting there. He goes, just listen. All of a sudden, you can hear this one cow. And she would do this. <coughs> and then the others would just start chirping in with that. And we sat there. And probably five, six, seven minutes goes by. I had already killed the bull. So I didn't have a tag. And they're going on. He goes, they've been doing it the whole time. And then out of nowhere, this cow, one would only give, you know, like two or three buzzes. And that's it. Very long, loud buzzes. And trying to insist on him coming up. All of a sudden, a bull bugled behind him as they went through that. They're, meow, meow, meow. And meow, she's giving those buzzes. And after, what, 20, 25 minutes now has gone by of this. So so see you were doing a setup like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this bull came in. And he just screamed a bugle. And one of the cows just answered him. And he screamed again. And all of a sudden, you could hear all the cows meow, 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 going right up the mountain. Right at him. Wow. And that was the end of it. But lessons, if you don't learn from something like that, That's so you cool. see how, how potent it was. And that bull heard them. I don't know how far he came from there, but he could hear them. And all of a sudden, he started calling them to him, and they turned around, and away they went. We – Broke the bull down and hauled his butt off the mountain. It was a really nice 6.2 that Paul killed. But you see how they use those sounds. Oh, yeah. This had nothing to do with rutting or anything like They were trying to call him back up there. But they knew something. There's no way they ever smelled us. The wind's coming right down the mountain. But they knew something wasn't right. But they stood there for probably at least 25 minutes total trying to call him back up that mountain to get over there. But it was so cool to listen to it. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, if, if you, you guys got to learn from that, you see, that's what these sounds represent. So when you use them as I'm calling, let's say that you, we're in that situation where you're saying there's a bull, nothing's going on. He's got four or five cows. You so saw him go in. You see me, I'm going to try to call him over or the cows are three gathering sound. If I get an answer out of him, am I going to stay with that long version? It's, where are you? Come over here. Come on. Where are you guys? No, I'm going to immediately, once I got response, I'm going to drop down to the north. Yeah, yeah, Because I've already made contact. That's like you calling somebody out in the woods and they finally make contact. And now you guys are closing the distance and you're still saying, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Because I'm right here. God darn it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You, you see now it's like, hey, I'm over here. Come here. Come on. Come on over here. Yeah. And then a little time goes by and you're like, and he's like, where are you now? Because you can't see each other. It's thick. Yeah. Well that's what you're doing with the elk. You're not just continually calling. You're just letting him know your position, he's letting you know his, and if you're moving toward each other, and then a little, you know, a few seconds go by, 20, 25, and you call again to establish the contact, that's what you're doing. So if I had to go to the contact buzz, more, "Hey, get over here now." Now I'm yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use the sound when it's appropriate, not the whole time walking to him. So, see, you're, you're communicating with the elk, and this is what we do to suck a bunch of these bulls in. Now, if I had to in your situation where you said those elk were silent because that's what I wanted to do, most of the time the cows are what comes first. Mm-hmm. Usually the bull will come in tow. If I didn't use a slow play, there's more than one method a person can use, and especially if you have a shooter. Now you can pull everything in. And the shooter says, I'm going to kill the first thing. You know, I've hunted 18 years, never killed an elk. You know, I mean, there's those guys out there. Yeah. And so, you know, or 10 years or four years. And so you you change things up to give them the best odds to have something come to them. And, and, and that's what I'm doing as a caller. And that's what I'm doing as a hunter is I'm not just out there. So guys understand why am I not killing a six point every year? I've killed plenty of guys, probably 25 of them, <laughs> you know, of, of other elk. And so the thing is, is that I I just love elk hunting. Yeah. And, it, and and everything doesn't have to be, you know, the cream of the crop. It can be whatever. I want to keep that fire burning in me that we just love putting elk down. I don't care what it is. Yeah, we pass elk. Don't get me wrong. But not everybody does. So if you're hunting with somebody that is is, is just trying to, you know, have success – I don't care what they kill. I would be as happy as a lark for them. Probably happier than they were because you enjoy the thrill, of the hunt and the call in. So, you know, it depends on the method I would choose to maybe up their odds instead of just trying to call the herd bull in. Because even though you say, Oh, I'm going to call the herd bull in. It doesn't mean you will, or, or, or it'll line up <laughs> and he comes in at the right angle on the right spot. Yeah. No debris in the way, you know, things happen. And, 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 and once they do come in so far, Even though they're well in bow range, and if there's really the shot isn't good, you gotta let them walk, and that smartens them up. You're not just usually gonna, you know, call that guy right back in. You know, I mean, they're not that stupid.
0: What's that's a good question to kind of uh, lead into is, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast. There's people that you know want to kill nothing but six points. There's people that want to. Kill their first elk. How would a lot of what you do, and people can look at YouTube videos or podcasts, and and look at your app, like there's a ton of resources out there. But how would you go about it if you were just trying to kill an elk this year?
1: Regathering sounds. It just is so funny. cover ground and do regathering sounds. Oh, you can't believe how effective it is. It is just so crazy. Effective. I mean, you can. Lo- the reason we use location bugles is because we're trying to find bulls. Yeah. That's all. You know. And 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 what is a location bugle really doing? So guys understand what does it mean. We call it a locate bugle. What do the elk call it? It's <laughs> a good the, question. Yeah, they don't call it anything. They're using the sound, and what they're trying to do is find the bull. They with call cows. it Marco Polo. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they're trying to find the bull with cows, and especially hot cows. Yeah. Because what happens when they find that bull? They get a detrimental response. And what does that usually tell them? Defensive action means I have cows or I have hot cows. So they want to get in and now they want to get into the scent cone area. They don't have to approach the bull. And all they want to do is smell the group. Is there something coming into heat? That's what they want to know. And that's what they're doing. They are looking for the cows coming into heat. They are not looking for a fight. Even though people think they're all looking for a fight, they're not. It could come down to that as the heat of the rut picks up and, and a bull has three, four, five hot cows at one time. My God, it's a rut fest. And yeah. they're coming in from everywhere screaming. But when a bull is in, in search mode, he's using locate bugles, trying to find out where the, and he's not looking for mew, mew. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for the bull to let him know. Cause when a bull has a detrimental response, nine times out of 10, he's got cows. He's being defensive for yep. a reason. That's why he's doing it. And once he locates that, that's what he does. Does he do the same thing in every other month of the year? No, they really don't care if they, you know, they're herd animals or they come around out of elk fine, but they're not looking for the hot cows, so to speak, not like September. So see when that bugling really escalates, they're looking for the groups of elk and especially the bull that has the cows because it's not the cows that usually respond back. They could, but the bull is the one that reports and he reports what he's got. And that's what they're looking for. So, when I'm using the regathering sound, it applies to all elk. It doesn't pick, it's not gender, you know, specific. It's just answer, it's anything. So when you use that sound that asks for assistance or an action or reaction from other elk, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And it and, and, and makes a great sound in uh, in heavily hunted areas where everybody's bugling and calling because they hardly ever hear this. One of my other favorite sounds is a, a, a cow bugle. When I'm using a cow bugle… I can usually have elk come my way like you cannot believe, and they come in silent.
0: When do we or, use a cow bugle versus gathering sounds versus a locate bugle?
1: Well, a locate bugle is just a lo- – you're, you're looking for them. The, 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 the cow bugle is a cow is usually in charge of the group that she has. Like right now, cows are bugling right now because – they are taking the, the the position that a bull would usually have yeah. you see when you see these big groups of a hundred elk or 150 or 30 or whatever there is a lead cow for a certain amount of those cows if you have a hundred there's probably six or seven lead cows in there and they all have their own group of cows it isn't one lead cow for all those no. There's all these, but they're herd animals. So they're all mingled together. So as soon as a bull comes in and, and, and let's say he picks some of those cows or some of the cows choose to go with them, that lead cow with her cows goes to that bull that yeah. he's calling. He's advertising himself. And this is how a bull will, will, will pick up cows for the most part. And yes, a young bull can come over and take a, a, a group, but then he will end up losing it as these cows come into heat and a bigger bull comes in, bumps around and takes over. But the point is, is that Right now, the the, the cows are the ones that are using the bugles to keep control of the little group that they have, whatever the size may be. It can be two cows. It can be 15 cows. Depends on how how many elk are living in that area. But the cow is the one running the show. As soon as the bull comes in and a bull now is in control, he takes over that position. The lead cow no longer hardly even bugles at all. Doesn't mean she can't or won't, but she doesn't because that's him now. He's taken over yeah but but prior to that she is is doing that but here's the difference when a cow bugles she bugles different than a bull in most cases she's very repetitious so when I'm using a cow bugle in the woods and I want the other elk to know this is a cow doing this not a bull she's she will bugle anywhere from two to five times less than 30 seconds how many bulls do you see do that yeah <laughs> Like none. None. Yeah, yeah, you may hear one bugle and then a little bit and any bugles. If he's in a confrontation, yeah, they can go bugle, bugle, bugle. But in a more social environment, you don't hear it. And here's what she'll sound like right here. she'll do that like i say up to five times in a row she'll wait 30 seconds and she does it again 30 seconds she does it again she's very persistent when she wants some a reaction from other elk or if she when you hear them doing that they're usually not with other elk Mm. they're looking for them they're trying to find them but when you see an elk and and, and a couple of these videos are going on the app you're going to see elk you're going to see one at a water hole she's at a water source and there's other elk in the background. They're, they're way back. You can't see them. And she's letting them know that every the coast is clear. She walks over. She looks around. You're going to see the video. And then she turns around to the group that's back there, and you can hear them. If you listen real close, you can hear them cow calling. And she gives that, yeah, letting them know to come on over. And so they're going to oh, come that's on crazy. over. Crazy. Yes, but, but see, the thing is. She didn't have to do it three, four, five times. She already knew they were there. She's just calling them over. So, that regathering or come on over this way, you see, once they put more in, in t- intensity or emotion behind it, like several in a row, it's because she doesn't know where they're at. She's looking for them. I've hunted some of the most heavily hunted areas, and when nothing would respond to nothing, Cody, nothing, I would go to that and whoom, I'd have a bull bugle. We're over here. Come on over. You see, and sometimes I'll have the bull come all the way up. He's just bugling it all the way to the front of it. And so I'll stay with the cow bugle. And then once he gets a certain distance where I don't need to do it because it's going to be stupid, he knows something's wrong, I go to the regathering sound without the bugle. And I only minimal, maybe two of them. And then as he gets closer, that's when I start getting more of the. I'm over here. I'm over here. Come on over. That's it. You don't have to do 20 of them. Just a couple of them as he gets closer and closer. And if I'm by myself, I usher up real fast, closer without calling because I want to think I was still back there. If I have a shooter, which usually I, I do, my son or something is we're up there or he's doing it for me, but you got to communicate with him in a natural way. You start with this sound, this sound, This sound, and if all of a sudden he's hanging up and he's not coming, we already know. Okay, we gotta hit him with the contact buzz real quick. Give him two or three notes of it. That's 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 increasing their urgency. Tell him to come up here now. We I want you coming up here. You see, and that's what you're doing. Is it like if you were talking to somebody, you have now used the right sound sequence. You know, in a way that he understands it and he expects to hear nothing out of the ordinary. You're not just giving a bunch of cow calls and just expecting him to come trouncing up there as he's to asking you through. Two chuckles or short screams he's telling you to come over you've turned the tables on him and you've run the show you are now answering or responding or calling to him before he has a chance to tell you to come and he'll just keep coming he knows exactly what the elk language is by the emotion or the cadence of the call and that's what we're doing is we're, we're, we're taking control of the matter when we can so when you're hunting some of those heavily hunted areas go on the app this is brand new. We just put it up five days ago. And you go to tactics and I put it under quiet elk. Under quiet elk, you're going to see as I go through all the regathering sounds, how to use the cow bugle, everything in in order, in detail. And the cow bugle section will also have when I'm using the cow bugles and how many to use and under what situation. But all this is new. It only came up a few days ago. So there's five new things on how to set up navigating, locating Elk, how do I locate Elk, just what you asked. None of this has been on the app before. So everything that's been on it, there's five new things added on it. It will take you an hour to go over it because I wanted people to have, you know, a really detailed perspective of it. And so – Like I said, in the cow bugle section, we'll have two bugles or cows – two different cows bugling so they can hear them and watch them themselves. So they can see this isn't just someone just saying cow's bugle and here's what it is. You're going to see it for yourself. Oh, man. I
0: highly recommend Everybody go get the Oh, these guys
1: got to have it, man. Oh, yeah. It's freaking insane. There's so much stuff on there.
0: I'll be like sitting on the side. I've literally been sitting on the side of the mountain like going through elk sounds because I'm like – just, it's such a good – even a refresher. Like you're like,
1: oh, yeah. I do it. Yeah. Honestly, I, I use that record feature behind sounds just to try to polish things up a little bit. Because yep. when you hear the real elk make it, and then you go, okay, I got to do this part right here. And then you record yourself and then listen to it again side by side. You're like, all right, I got it. I got, that's it. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect out there, Cody. You know that. No, but the sure. better we can be, the better we feel about ourselves, you know, when we do use the sound.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, so, And talking to you gets me so excited to go call Elk. But, um, well, thank oh, yeah. you so much. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend everybody. Where's the best place they can get the app? App Store. I mean you can google it and it pops up in the App Store. Uh, is that the best place?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you have an Apple phone, then you want to go straight to the App Store right there on your phone and uh, just yeah. t- once you go to the Apple Store on the bottom right-hand corner, it'll say search and then just type in Elknut right there and the Elknut app will come up. It's I believe it's 9.95 or 9.99 and it's a one-time purchase. All the updates are free as they come. Like these last five came, uh, they, they load it automatically. And and if you have an Android phone, you're going to go to Google Play. And yeah. from there, it's the same thing. You would, you, would, uh, you would download everything from there. And I will tell guys that get it, you know, when you buy it, make sure you give it a few hours to load. Because a lot of guys think it's like getting a music video <sighs> and in 10 seconds it all be there. They don't realize how much stuff is on there. Yeah. It's a lot. And, yeah. and 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 when I'm showing the video, I show a video of a 90 second, roughly a video for every sound an elk makes individually. And I show you how to make it with a reed. So it takes time to download all that. And then you'll have to download like the breeding sequence and the advertising and cold calling and, and different things you will download manually. Or we have a live stream on them now so that if you just want to hear them. At home without downloading, it'll say streaming and you can listen and watch the videos, anything you want without downloading it. And if you see one you like and you go, oh, I want it. I want this one downloaded. That means you can now listen to it or use it in the woods without any Wi-Fi service. So you have that option or, you know, the control in your hands to upload, download. And I'm going to put the slow play in video. I'm going to use it in action in the woods this year. And I'm going to put that on the app. So you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about, how I'm using the emotion behind it and the right sounds and the volume and the type of animal or bull that I'm trying to work. Not just any bull, but one that falls in the category where the slow plays use, you know, utilized best. So anyway, and we have a lot of stuff that's still going to go on it because we want, you know, we want to keep it fresh even after our third year right now. It, you know, it's nothing where you look at it and go, the last time this was refreshed was two and a half years ago. No, <laughs> this thing is is updated all the time so people can see that we care and we're trying to help you guys out there, you know, to uh, be successful.
0: Oh, man, this is more information. If I would have had all this information when I first started out, man, I'd be head and shoulders farther where I am right now. I tell you what, man, there's so much good information in there, but, um, uh, thank you. Thank you, Paul so much. Uh, yeah. Great information. Everybody go download the app. Don't be cheap. Go buy the app. It's worth it. Uh, and thank you. Thank you again so much for jumping on and and sharing all your knowledge. I think you've probably forgotten more than I'll ever know. So, uh, we really (laughs) appreciate you sharing it with us.
1: Hey, no problem. Thank you very much, Cody. I, I, I honestly do appreciate you know, that you've uh, extended your hand out and had me back. I do appreciate it. Thank you. All
0: righty. Well, good luck this season.
1: Hey, same to you.
0: Alrighty, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource and it's gonna make you a better hunter. I guarantee that, or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.